Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Okay, so listen, listen guys. In order to understand the book of Matthew, we need to be reminded that the first three chapters are all about setting the stage, okay? Um, I totally understand that there are uh, topical teachings and people come in, but, but in order for you to understand the book of Matthew from the beginning to the end, you need to know what's going on. And you go, well, Ben, how so? Jesus, guys, God's son is going to bring blessings to the nation. So he comes on the scene and he's bringing a blessing to the nations. Okay? Then Matthew says, now, now listen, all the prophetic promises are going to be filled in him. You go, well, like, like what? Well, for example, one of the prophetic promises is that the Messiah, the Meshach, if you will, the Messiah, the anointed one, okay, is going to be born in Bethlehem. That's what it was. And so in Bethlehem comes Jesus. And so if you had the Jewish mindset and you saw all of this on your daily news feed, not that anybody reads a newspaper anymore, say news feed, okay, then you would go, oh, whoa. You see, Jesus would also be, the conception would be by the Holy Spirit, and his name would be Emmanuel, okay? And all this would work together to show that Jesus wasn't a mere human being, that he was God with us. That's what Matthew's trying to do. He's trying to get us to go, oh, because there were a lot of people that were coming on the scene that claimed to be Christ, that came to be the Messiah. But Matthew's going, no, 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 you understand, this in him, all the promises are fulfilled, Okay, now why is that important? Because you're sitting here and you're predominantly Gentile and you're going, okay, I'm in Lubbock. What does that mean to me? That the word of God is true and that you can count on it from Genesis to Revelation. Come on, somebody. You got to count on that. You got to be able to stand on that. That has to be your foundation. That has to be in which you live because as a disciple, you can't just pick and choose. A disciple knows the word of God because that's how you have to live. You go, okay, I got it, I got it. You've had too much coffee. I have. (laughs) So we're going to be done here in like 15... No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. So Matthew comes in, and he's giving this introduction, right? And so he gives us key themes. Very, very key themes are what? First and foremost, guys, is that he says, Jesus is from the line of David. So all all, all of the um, uh, Jewish people would go, that's important. He's from the lineage of David. Okay. And by the way, his name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Okay. So God is not some created or, or not even created, some spirit in the sky that has no clue what you go through. He's actually God in the flesh knows exactly what you're going through. That's the kind of God I want to serve. I don't know about you. But I don't want to serve a little God who doesn't know my emotions or how I'm feeling or how I mess up. Or I want to know a God who goes, man, I know exactly, and I'm, I'm with you. That's the, God I, that's the God that can relate to me as I can relate to him. But then Matthew says, but by the way, see, your heroes of the faith, your heroes of the faith are Abraham, but they're also Moses. 
Yeah, we love Moses. Moses is our guy. Moses did what? Moses rescued us, if you will. It was God. But Moses rescued us from Egypt. Now, here's what I want you to do. Take a note. Jot this down. Egypt has always been a type of the world. You know that. Egypt has always been a type of the world. So important. Okay? Whenever you see Egypt in Scripture, it's always been a type of the world. The, the world systems. Okay? So, Matthew goes, oh, see, Jesus, he's like the new Moses. And everybody goes, wait a minute, there's only one Moses, how so? He says, by the way, think about this, Jesus came out of Egypt, okay, so like Israel, so like Moses, um, he passed through the waters of baptism, he entered into the wilderness for 40 days, then goes up to a mountain to deliver his new teaching. Okay, so everybody goes, oh, he's like Moses. Yeah, he's like Moses. He's like the new Moses in teaching and authority, which is very, very important for you to click in your brain. You got to get it. You got to get that. Okay. Now, last week, which is real important, we looked at how Jesus, guys, rewrites our story. We looked at how he took our past and all that that we did prior to coming to him, and he rewrites it. And it was so powerful and so moving. You could feel the thickness of the Holy Spirit here. Now, I don't say that much about my teaching. I, I know it's God. I get that. But there's that one time where you go, wow, he rewrites my story. Well, even today... As much as he's rewriting our story, he does this. He actually heals our failures, which is so important. Because a lot of us being human, I hope you're all human here. A lot of us being human have, have made some bad choices, have we not? And we've failed in certain areas and we've, and we've were tempted and we, we, we compromised. We, we, that's just us. And I love the fact that Jesus is going to come and he's going to show us something, how he's going to heal that. Okay? But in order to heal our failures, he had to rewrite our story first. Okay? You go, what does that mean? That means Jesus didn't get tempted first. He was baptized first, following how Israel came out of Egypt. Oh, well, wait a minute. You just said that, that Egypt was a type of the world. I came out of the world when I got saved. I remember. I was flirting with the world. I was dancing with the world. I remember being all of that stuff. But then God called me and I felt him and I was like, <gasps> and I came out of like, oh, uh, uh, that's what Jesus did for me. That's exactly it. So he's baptized. We saw that last week, but now he's going to walk into the wilderness, right? And if you've grown up in church all your life, you know, oh, I've heard this. I've heard the temptation of Jesus. I've, I, oh, but hold on. Let's, let's kind of see. Let's back up a little bit, okay? I want to take you guys on a little journey, okay? So let's go back in time a few thousand years. Moses is in charge right now, if you will, and he's told by God, hey, Mo, yeah? We're here. 
go into the promised land, send 12 spies, and go check it out. Man, that's going to be yours. I need you to send 12 spies. So Mo goes, um, eeny, meeny, my. he prays and he sends 12 guys out. You guys remember the story. Let me read it to you so you know I'm not just making this up. In Numbers chapter 13, you don't have to turn there. It'll be on the screen. Numbers 13, 1 and 2 says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm, what's that word? Giving to the children of Israel. Okay? I'm giving it to them. It's theirs. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send every man and every leader among them. This is God's word. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let me summarize the story. They go out, 12 dudes go out to spy the land that the Lord has given them. Now, here's what they had to do. You ready? Check this out. All they had to do was bring a report back on what was the best way to go into the land. That's all they had to do. Which was the best way? God already said, I'm giving it to you. He's going to take care of it. That's all they had to do. Everybody say, that's all they had to do. That's all they had to do is go in. The problem was, is that they're men and they're human. You go, well, what happened? (sighs) They freaked out. They went in and they came back frightened and distraught. Check this out. Verse 27 of chapter 13. Then they told him, Moses, uh, we went to the land where you sent us. And it truly flows with milk and honey. In other words, it's an abundance. And this is its fruit. So they have these huge, this is the fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak. And what are they? Well, the Amalekites dwell there in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Wait, 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 wait. Didn't we just say that their only purpose was to go and find the best route? That's all they're always, that was all they had to do. That's all they had to do. Just find the best route. Well, you know what? Listen, Moses, hey, um, it's not good. It's not good. It's a no-go. It's a no-go. Well, why? What happened? Well, listen, there's, there's Jebusites and Canaanites and cellulites and mosquito bites. They're all there. And, and, and all the other ites you can see. And, Oh, did I tell you that the descendants of Anak are there? These guys are big. These, these, they're, they're really tall dudes. They're, they're like a basketball team. They're just big. Mo's like, no, listen. Think about this. Look at verse 31. It goes on. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go against the people. Why? For they're stronger than we. And they gave their children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as the spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw are great men of state. They're basically going, we're, we're, We can't do this. We can't do it. Whoa, 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 time out, time out, time out. But guys, listen, I asked you just to find the best route. God's already told us, He's given us His promises. He's told us, this is, We're taking the land. You, you understand that? You want to know something? Here's the reaction. Here was the consensus. Look at, look at chapter 14, verse 1. It says, so all the congregation 
lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. Can you imagine? There are only two of the 12 spies that came back and said, let's go. The other 10 just... And they cried that night. And I don't know about you, but if I was Mo, I'd be thinking about quitting right about now. I'm like, really, Lord? All we had to do, you promised that we would go. You promised, Lord. You promised. (laughs) And so here's what they said. In verse 4, it says, And they said to one another, Let us select another leader and return to Egypt. Um, we want another pastor. Those guys are really big over there. They're really strong. They got cities. There's no way. There's no way. South, Miss South, there's no way. And, and they brought a bad report. Well, it turned the heart. Listen, listen, listen to me. Listen to me. Let's get an application here. Let's draw some truth out, okay? Our words are very powerful, okay? Remember this. Remember last week we said that there, the weight of people in your life, has they, they have no weight in your life, but their words are weighted on you all of your life, what they say. You're either going to be good, you're bad, you're awful, you're a loser, you're a winner. What they do is that. Okay? Very, very important. Okay? So, what was your assignment? We just had to find the proper route. That's all we had to do. Hey, land is great. Look at its fruit. Let's go. God's in this. And they come back and they turn the hearts of the people. That's a major failure. Okay, that's a major bummer. All right? So they get together and they go, hey, Alex, what do you think, bro? Alex goes, nah, you know what? I went up to this dude. He was like 18 feet tall. I don't know, man. And yeah, I agree with you, bro. But look at the, look at the size of the grape. You go, yeah, but I don't want to die for that grape. I don't want to die. Santa, what do you think? And so it spreads. You guys understand that, right? And so even though I'm thinking, hey, man, I'm just telling, just me and Alex are having a conversation. Well, now Santos is going to go over and he's going to tell Ephraim. He's going to, and, and boom, 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 boom. The next thing you know, everybody's going, and they're crying. They're crying. Here's what blows my mind in the story. Here's what blows my mind. They saw God work huge miracles up until this point. They saw it. They saw an entire sea part, and they walk on dry land, turn around to see the Egyptians killed with their own eyes. Are we like them or what? How many times have we, guys, seen the hand of God move mightily in our lives only to complain a few weeks later? God, are you really with me? Are you really... Did you... uh... (laughs) Has God not taken care of you all your life? Has he not, though? Then why wouldn't he continue to? But we're human. I get it. Okay, we're human. We, we do a lot like them. So what is God's reaction? God's reaction in verse 27, he says this. Numbers 14, 27. How long shall I bear with these evil congregation who complain against me? So we know they're complaining. Uh, I've heard the complaints of the children of Israel made against me. Verse 29, the carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in the wilderness. All of you who are numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above. Wait a minute. (laughs) Wow. And your sons shall be the shepherds in the wilderness 40 years. 
and bear the brunt of your infidelity until the carcasses are consumed in the wilderness. You know what God says? Okay, you're going to wander for 40 years. And everybody 20 years and older, you're going to die out there. Wow. Wow. So I would say, you guys can agree or not, that the children of Israel failed miserably right here. They saw God open the sea. They saw God give them food from heaven. They saw God do incredible things, things that that we haven't seen in our lives, if you will, and yet they still doubt, and here's the consequences. Here's the consequences. They didn't trust the Lord. They didn't trust the Lord. As a matter of fact, here's what they said. I want to go back to Egypt. Let's get let's get another pastor. Let's get somebody who's going to take us back. And it's like, seriously? And so much so, guys, that they're sentenced to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years they're walking in circles. 40 years. Now, that's a long time, is it not? 40 years. Now, keep this in mind, okay? Put, oh. This was after they had complained. Now, I know none of you complain, okay? You guys are not complainers. You love everything, even when it's 114, okay? I get it. But I bet they fought too, didn't they? Uh, For 40 years. And I bet they whined too. And I wonder if they sinned. That's a long time to be hanging out, going around in circles. Can you imagine? I think we saw that cactus... About 20 years ago, I think I saw, remember, it's gotten bigger now. You think we're walking around in circles? I think we're walking around in circles. Wait, how how many years has it been, Robert? Oh, it's 20? Okay, we've got 20 more. The problem is that is that if, I mean, can you imagine if you were like 19 years old in 11 months, in 29 days, you're like, I'm going to live. What if you had just turned 20? I'm going to live to be 60, but that's about it. And they died out there because of unbelief. And so, and so again, I'm thinking, they, but here's what I, here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see. Although they fought, whined, complained, blew it, I think God was writing their story. Don't you think? God was writing their story and they continued to mess up. But here's what I want you to see. God was with them the whole time. And salvation was near, but see, Israel kept pushing them away, kept pushing it away. And what they needed, listen, is they needed Jesus to come and show them the way. Why? Because just like us, there are times when we think we know what's best for us, and we push God away, and I've got this, I'm thick-skinned, I can do it, and the Lord's like, no, 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 salvation comes when you let me lead you, and I'll show you the best way for you. You Oh, right. Right. That's what he's saying, guys. That's what he's saying. Now, again, the one thing we must understand is that God was with him for those 40 years. Can I get an amen? So God never left him. The second thing, guys, that we, we see, while they were looking for the promised land for 40 years, they probably made a lot of mistakes. Would you not agree? You go, well, what do you mean? Well, for example, do you realize, I, don't, it's, I didn't show you in the text, but do you realize that when they realized they messed up, 
when, they, when Moses confronted them and they realized, you realized that they said, oh, oh, we're sorry, Mo. Moses, we're sorry, we're sorry. We're going to take the land. Come on, we can do it, we can do it. And God's like, no, don't go. You already made it, don't go. They actually took a group of men to try to fight to go into the promised land and they got whooped. Moses is like, don't go. You're gonna, God's not with you. Don't go. No, no, we're sorry. Let's go. Come on. Mike, let's go. Get your sword. Joe, let's go. And, and God's like, don't do it. Don't do it. And, and there were consequences because God wasn't with them. So they understood they had made a mistake. They understood. And that consequences was really tough because many died. And so that was the premise of what these people were understanding when Jesus comes on the scene. Now, in our story today, remember, Matthew is writing to the Jewish people, okay? He's got them in mind, and he explains that Jesus was the new Moses. He rewrote their past, right, at the, at the Red Sea of Baptism. He said, okay, it's different now, and we talked all about that last week. Well, since Israel failed, if you will, to honor God, well, they ended up in the wilderness, And it was time for Jesus to come and heal that failure. Right? And listen, Jesus does that in so many ways. And listen to me, he does that for us. I'll tell you why. A lot of times, church, listen to me, listen. A lot of times our failures identify us. And the Lord says, no, no, I. that's not what should I do. I should be the one that identifies you, not the mistakes that you made. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. That, that, to me, that was like, ooh, that's all I need. I'm going home. That's all I need right there. But there's more, right? It's like the Ginsu knives. But wait, there's more. The main lesson today, the main lesson, guys, is that we are going to see Jesus tempted in the wilderness, okay, which in and of itself is amazing. But what I want you to see is how he takes that temptation and he defeats Satan, healing our failures. You're like, what? This is so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're taking note, think about the temptation, okay? Okay, so Moses was tempted. Israel was tempted throughout the wilderness, okay? Jesus is going to be tempted. Israel, and we're tempted. Are we not tempted? Now, let me say this to you. Let me say this. Jot this down. Temptation is not a sin. Temptation is not a sin. We all get tempted. It's when we act on that temptation that brings sin. Okay, but we can be tempted and we're like, go, no, no, don't want to do that. And you have the world dancing, right? Hey, come on. Hey, it's all party of fun over here. Let's go. And you go, no, you know what? Nah, that's not a sin. But when you act on it, okay, everybody got the temptation. Now, there are three different temptations that we're going to see, three different ones that Jesus is going to go through, okay? And a lot of them are almost like what, what, oh, do you recall what Eve went through? Do you remember Adam and Eve? It was the what? Do you remember them? It was the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, right, and the lust of the eyes. A lot of them are there. That's how Satan, he still does the same thing to us today. Hey, look at this. Look at this. Isn't that nice? Don't you want this? Uh-huh. Right? Oh, your flesh would be, you want this, don't you? Man, you know how good you would be if you had this? Uh-huh. And we jump in, boom. That's temptation. That's what he's going to do with God, but, but it's going to be so much deeper. You guys ready? So much deeper. Here we go. Listen, at the end of our study, 
Guys, we're going to discover how he heals our failures in an amazing way. So let's go, man. Let's go. Pick it up in verse 1. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus, love hanging out with Jesus, love hanging out with Jesus. He was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Guys, if you have a pencil handy, circle that word for then, because a better word would actually be immediately. Immediately. So there he goes. He's being led how? By the Spirit. He's being led by the Spirit. Okay? Now, this is important. You go, why is it important? Simply because... God's heart is that our failures in life can be healed by the Lord willing to go and be tempted in the wilderness. That's where we get our victory. You go, I'm not following. Okay, stay with me. Last week, Jesus said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And you go, yeah, that's Jesus. But... If you are in Christ, then he's well-pleased with you. If you've given your life to God, he's well-pleased with you. But you go, Ben, 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 I've made a lot. I've made a lot of mistakes. But if you're in Christ, wow, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, okay, I see, I see. So he's going to heal. Okay, well, let's see how. Let's see how. Verse 2. And when Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. How many of you can say amen? Because we've never fasted for 40 days, have we? But if we miss breakfast, I'm starving. I'm so hungry right now, right? We, we barely miss breakfast. And we're starving to this. Some of you are starving right now, aren't you? Yeah, you're like, I'm hungry right now. He went 40 days and 40 nights, guys. And afterward, my Jesus was hungry. Now, look at verse 3. When the tempter came to him, he said, this is Satan, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. And he answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. There's the temptation. There's it. Linda, you're hungry? I'm hungry. Hey, you, you being the son of God, make this food. Make this food. Now, here's what I want you to see, guys. Here's what I want you to see. It says, when, when, when the temptor came. Here's what I want you to write. Not if, but when. You got that? Okay? So, listen, you're going throughout life. You're kind of, you're doing your thing, right? The problem is, is that it's not, it's not if, but you will be, tempted. There's going to be those things in life. And how many times in our brain have we justified, come on somebody, doing what we do because we, we, we can justify it? We overthink it and we jump, boom. Well, how can God be mad at me if, if uh, well, you know, and then when, when we just, that's the first thing I want to see, not if. If you're a believer here today, there's going to be those times. Now, here's the second thing I want you to see. When, when did he attack Jesus? When did he tempt Jesus? When Jesus was hungry, very hungry, very weak physically. You, you guys got to catch this. Okay, why? Because that's what the en- enemy does. He will attack you at your weakest physically. Guys, we have to take time to rest. 
We have to rejuvenate the body as well as our spirit. Because it's in those days when you've got nothing left, the enemy comes in and it's easy to fall into temptation. Okay? It could have, it could have read so differently, could it not? The word of God could have said, and Jesus, man, he had a great steak, he had filet mignon, he had a, he had a baked potato, butter, sour cream, he had all the fixings, and then he went out into the wilderness. He was full, he was strong, he would, but he knows that when the enemy comes, he usually comes when you're at your weakest. At your, when you're tired. When you're physically. Right, Miss Beverly? Amen. When, I mean, that's when the enemy came, when Beverly was at her weakest, and, and that's when the Lord strengthened her. But you understand. You understand. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's important, guys, for your Sabbath rest. It's important to take a moment. I know, I know we work a lot. Okay, I got to work. I got to do this. I got to do this. The laundry never stops, does it? For some reason, we have to wear clothes every day, so that means laundry. Thank God we wear clothes every day. But you know what I'm saying. The laundry, the dishes never stop, do they? I mean, all of that stuff, there's always work. There's always something. There's always something. But guys, let me just encourage you, rest. Take a moment, just rest. Well, Ben, I can't take a day off. I don't know what a day off is. Me and Sally, we had a great conversation yesterday. We have to trust the Lord to help us rest. We won't. You, you're a prime example. You work very hard. We have to rest because that's when the enemy comes. And so, and so we call it Sunday. We come to church and we should at least purpose to rest. You know, kick your feet up a little bit, but I guess I've, I've belabored that point. You guys understand, right? That's what happened. Now, it gets deeper. Why does it get deeper? Think about this, guys. Notice what Satan is saying. He's saying, if you are the son of God, now catch what's happening here. It really involves, guys, this will blow your mind. It really involves the love of God. You go, why? Because what he's saying right here, he's saying, hey, listen, Jesus, if God really loves you, he would have fed you. You're going, What? Hey, if God really loves you, what are you doing in the wilderness alone? Okay? Guys, think about this. The same M.O. that Satan uses is what he, he attacks us today. How many times have we heard so many people, if God really loved me, this went to happen or that went to happen or why or why not? We always do that. If God really, that's the enemy. That's the enemy. He did that to G. Hey, listen, G. Yo, Jesus. If God really loved you, you would have been, you, you should have been eating by now. Why are you in the wilderness? And he does that to us. If God really loved you, he wouldn't have allowed X or X. And I, I mean, I get that. But here's the problem. The problem is we know that God loves us. As a matter of fact, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only, he loved you so much. And you go, well, how much does God love me? Even though my life sometimes is a mess and full of failures. This much. As he was nailed to the cross for you. But the enemy, do you guys see it? Do you guys see that in scripture? The enemy comes in and says, "Mm mm-mm, if God really loved you. Now, what does he do? Okay. He wants to question God's love. Or he wants to first question God in your life. 
Is God really in your life right now? Is God really in your life? And the second thing is he says, hey, listen. He wants to get you to question his love and then to leave him, to turn away from him. And so many people do. Well, you see, God didn't fit into my mold of how I think God should be. And so if that's how God is, I don't want anything to do. And they walk away from God. That's not who God is. See, if we'll look at the scriptures and we'll dig just a little bit and we'll dig just a little bit and we'll dig just a little bit, we'll see. We will see. Notice he says this too, guys. He says, he tells the Lord, if you are the son of, he knew he was the son of God. If anyone knew, but what's he doing? What's he doing? In other words, he's saying, prove you are the son of God by turning these bread into, these stones into bread. Prove it. Now, think about this. What's he wanting to do? He's wanting Jesus to fulfill or be filled physically. Everybody say physically. Okay? Now, I want you to think. Put on your thinking caps, okay? So many times we want to put our physical needs above our spiritual needs. We want to do that. Wow. Hey, Jesus, physically, you should, you should, you, if you're God, you should be eating. And that's the same thing he tells us. He's like, hey, hey, don't worry about spiritual stuff. That's, but worry about this. Worry about that. Then the Lord tell us, don't go out and work, 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 work for, for, for food that's going to just, he tells us all of this stuff. He tells us all of this stuff. I love that, that, what does the Lord do? Man, the Lord quotes Deuteronomy 8.3. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Listen, there are times when we're going to go hungry. I'm hungry. I didn't have dinner. It's okay. The body was meant to miss a meal every now and then. But don't do that spiritually. We should be craving that quiet time with God. We should be craving that intimacy with God. We should be craving to walk with God's Son every single day. We should cry out to Him in our infirmities. We should cry out to Him when things are really great and say, Thank you, Lord. We should get in the shower and say, Thank you, Lord, for running water. Thank you, Lord, that I have, man, that I have. I mean, all of the blessings He gives us, guys, we don't deserve any of them. But he's so good. He's so good. When the Lord rewrote your past, your story, and he heals your failures, your spiritual life is the one that you should truly nurture. That's the one that comes to play. You go, okay, my past is rewritten. My failures are healed. And boom, that's when you start pouring into your spiritual life. That's the one you, that's the one that's most important. Why? Everybody say why? Because this body is going to stay here one day. Nothing I can do about it. We have a neighbor next door to us right now on hospice. That's about to leave her body here on earth. What really matters at the end of the day? Our spiritual health. 
but we have to have the right perspective. We have to realize that Jesus rewrote our story and that he's healing our failures. You guys with me? Okay, temptation number two. A little bit more subtle. Notice. Then the devil took him up to the holy city in Jerusalem. He set him on a pinnacle of the temple. So there he is at the very top of the temple. And if you go to Israel today, it's, it's I mean, wow. You can see that from all over the land. And he says this. If, there he is again. If you are the son of God. And, I, and, and man, if I was Jesus, I'd be like, what do you mean? I'm the son of God. Get out of here. But he doesn't. Notice what he says. He says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. And their hands shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus said again, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, here's what we need to see what Satan is doing, okay? Here's what Satan, he says, if you really believe scriptures, then jump. That's what he's saying to the Lord, if you really believe. Let's see if the Father cares for you. That's what he's saying. Now, what you don't understand is that Satan is quoting Scripture, but he's not quoting all of Scripture. You, you understand that, okay? We know that he's a liar, so he doesn't quote the entire Scripture. What does he do? He selects for his own benefit. Come on, somebody, right? He did the same thing to Adam and Eve. Do you guys remember? Like what? He said, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. This is in Genesis of the Lord you had made. And he said, and he said to the woman, this is, this is this, this serpent talking to Eve. Has God indeed said you shall not yet eat of every tree of the garden? Yes, God said. That should have been it. Boom. But he's starting to question. And she goes, well, listen. Listen, Mr. Serpent dude. Hey, um, this is what God said. God said we couldn't eat it. God said we couldn't touch it or we're going to die. So she's having a conversation with a snake. You know, girls, don't have any conversation with snakes. Right? Don't. Where's Adam? He's probably chasing butterflies. Man, don't chase butterflies. He should have been there going, dude. The point is, this is what Satan came back and said. The serpent said to the woman, you won't surely die. Has God really said you're going to die? You're not going to die. Okay, so what is he doing? He misquotes God's word. Okay, but here's the text. Here's what, here, here's the real text. It's Psalm 91, 11, and 12. This is what Satan is actually quoting. He says, for you shall give his angels charge over you, but here's where he leaves off. He leaves off to keep you in all of your ways. That's a big deal. Okay? Their hands shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against your stone. If you take that portion out, then it's like, jump, jump, dude. God's going to take care of you. Jump. Well, here's where healing comes. You ready? Once again, Jesus quotes the word of God. Okay? You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massa. Don't tempt. He quotes Deuteronomy 6.16. Okay? But now, very quickly, Jesus wins another temptation. Okay? Put your thinking caps on here. When we tempt, and the word is test, God, okay, we put ourselves into circumstances that force him to work miracles on our behalf. Okay, you're looking at me like you don't believe me. How do we tempt God? Guys, when we put ourselves in circumstances that force him to do a miracle on our behalf. That's the same way. Well, I think God wants me to do this. And, and so you're jumping in 
And then you realize, oh, this is the one I speak to. God, please help, please help, please, I need a miracle. And we're for, that's, a, that's tempting the Lord. That's tempting the Lord. And it's like, no, wait, 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 wait. Guys, don't, well, see, that's what we do, don't we? Let me see. Let me, let me test you guys. Let me test you. You guys look like a smart bunch of, of folks. How many of you have ever said in your life, God, if you get me out of this, I'll serve you? Ah, how many of us ever said that? <laughs> God, if you just get me, oh my God, there's been times in my life that I'm like, God, please get me out of this. If you get me out of this, I'll never do this again. I promise I'll never. And God's like, you should have never been there in the first place. And then God gets you out of it, doesn't he? A miracle happens. And how many of us go back? We do. We do. Well, temptation number three. Verse eight. Again, the devil took him up to exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, this is what he's telling Jesus, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Now, here's what we need to see, guys. This is it. This is the final straw. But I want you to see, he takes Jesus and he says, all of these kingdoms will be yours if you bow down and worship me. You guys catch that? Notice what Jesus didn't say. Jesus didn't say, nah, those aren't yours. No, they're his. They're Satan's right now. And that's why evil befalls us in the world. Right now, Satan is the manager of the world. He's being restrained by God's Holy Spirit, but he's still the manager. One day, Jesus is going to come back and say, you're fired, and now everything's going to be right. But right now, this is why we have all that ugliness. But Jesus said, but there's a way. There's a way. And he says, here's the way. He says, I don't want these kingdoms. Now, now here's what we need to understand. Throughout his entire being, Satan has always wanted to be worshipped. Okay? Why? Because he always wanted to be God. You go, okay, I'm with you. But here we learn that there are no shortcuts in the Christian life. There are no shortcuts. Jesus said, no, I'm not. listen, I'm not going to bow down. I, listen, these are all going to be mine, but I'm going to do it the way God tells me to do it. Well, the application is, is so good. You want to be a mature Christian, there's no shortcuts. You have to be in the word of God. You have to grow daily. You have to feed your spirit. You have to remain pure. These are all those things. You have to listen to the Holy Spirit. There's no, man, wouldn't it be cool if you could sleep with the Bible under your head and then you just gained knowledge and you woke up and you were like super Christian? Well, theologically, I was thinking the appreciation of our sins and you're just like, wow, what happened? I just slept on my Bible. It's so good. There's no shortcuts, guys. Now, here's the point. You ready? Here's the point. As much as God blesses you, he says you also have to suffer like him. Okay, see, Job told us and he taught us early on. He said, can I just take the blessings and not the good? He says, to be, to be a good growth Christian, you're going to suffer like him. You're going to go through those temptations. You're going to be tempted the same way he tempted Jesus. But 
The difference is, guys, Jesus, and we're in Christ. You guys with me? He proved healing because although he was tempted, he didn't fail. He didn't fall. What does that mean? That means all of your mess-ups in Christ are going to be healed because you're in Christ. You see, I can't say you're going to be, um, you're going to be like, hey, I'll, everything's going to be great because of who you are and you're so good looking and, man, you're just like super awesome. It's because you're in Christ. But Ben, 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 I, if I'm being honest, I fail all the time. Here's what I want you to see. Remember that you're in Christ. And even though you fail, it doesn't define you. It doesn't define you. Because Jesus, guys, here is recapitulating the fact that Israel could have been healed from their past failures, though Jesus, and through Jesus, we can be healed too. Okay? So this is what he's saying. This is what he's saying. Boom. This is the temptation. This is the wilderness. He was in there for 40 days. He didn't fail. You go, okay, well, let's talk. Okay, well, let's chat. With the rest of our time, guys, let's talk about how failures in life that need to be healed. Let's just, let's just chat about that, okay? Why? Well, again, Matthew is introducing Jesus as the new Moses. You go, Ben, you told us that. Yeah, but I want you to take that home. And if you recall, last week, guys, we spent our time talking about how Jesus rewrites Israel's story, and today we learned how he rewrote Israel's past. Okay, so the Jewish mindset, everybody went, Whoa, he was tempted by Satan and he didn't fall? Okay, okay. Now, you and I can apply God's word the same way so that we can live victoriously. Can I get an amen? Think about this, okay? Notice with me the order. Israel, they were baptized, if you will, quote unquote, through the Red Sea. That was their baptism. How so? Never, once the Red Sea, right? So they're, they're, they're going through and they're like this. Whoa. And I mean, you could imagine. But when they turned around, guys, what happened? Somebody help me. The Red Sea closed up, right? What was the purpose of the Red Sea closing? So they could never return to Egypt. And Egypt is a type of the, yeah. Now you're getting it. You guys are smart. You go, okay, what, is, what does that mean? In the same way, when Jesus rewrites your story, your past, what's he saying? If you're in Christ, never to go back to the world. Never to go back. Never to go back. Well, again, Jesus is showing that he's doing that. So what happened to Israel next? Well, we know that they wandered just like we learned today, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Failures, disobedience, temptation. And Jesus showed us that their failures, um, he heals them. How? By defeating Satan in the wilderness. Okay? He won. God is reminding us that he's well-pleased. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Well, Ben, 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 listen. This is great. That's a this is a good sermon and all, but I got to be honest with you. I got a question. I, I do. I do. Um, how does Jesus heal my failures when I've already done them? I mean, they're done. I made a bad choice. 
I stepped over the line. I, okay, you ready? Here's how. Listen, let me clear the fine. Jesus does not change what Israel did. He didn't go back and go, okay, now let me, let me erase this from your brain. Nor does he change the failures that we have made. Okay? And I don't mean that the failures didn't actually happen. That the, the things that actually we did could be altered. Because you guys know, you guys know there's probably things in our past that if we could go back, we would go back right now and change it. We would. I often think I'd be like Superman. Man, boy, if I could just go around the world and, 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 and go back to that, I would change. One little decision that affected you. One little decision. You go, I would, I would. I wouldn't have said this, or I wouldn't have done that, or I would have, oh, I can't, oh. So Jesus doesn't do that. But what he does, listen to me, is when you're in Christ, he gives new meaning to those failures to make us a better believer. He gives us new, he goes, oh, Oh, yes, what happened, happened. But now Jesus comes in and he changes the meaning because of who he is. Who he is. You go, well, like what? Well, let's talk sports for just a second, okay? You guys know this, or maybe you don't, or maybe you don't care. But Michael Jordan, okay, some say that he is, was the greatest of all time, okay? Um, do you realize Michael Jordan... Guys, everybody, every, I mean, everything about Michael Jordan is him hitting the last shot and winning the games. But statistically, Michael Jordan says this, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. Now listen, 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I failed over and over and over again in my life. And he goes, and that's why I succeed, end quote. See, nobody goes, hey, greatest of all time, he's the goat. You missed 26 of those, of those game-winning shots. No, what do we do? We focus on, but see, every time he missed, it made him what? It made him better. He's thinking through. Babe Ruth, guys, Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth is known for hitting 715 home runs. But we, what we don't know is that Babe Ruth had a total of 1,330 strikeouts in his career. Do you, do, you, do you see where I'm going with this? So what we need to leave here this morning with is really, really good, is how Jesus heals those pasts, those failures, so that you can live victoriously. And when we're tempted by the devil to fail, to make a bad choice, or to sin whether it's either lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, or the pride of life, guys, we can overcome because Jesus lives in us. He's giving you that power. Okay? How so? Because he already defeated Satan in the wilderness. You see, it's not just a story about Jesus. It's about us. It's about us. Well, how so? Okay. I found a quote from a gal by the name of Brandis Lardner, and here's what she writes, quote, Are you one to take your failures personally? Meaning, 
do you see an imperfect performance as evidence that you're not good enough? Our performance can become so tightly woven into our identity that we're unable to separate the two, end quote. She goes, for example, here's, here's, here's what the world does to us. Here's what the devil does. You ready? It says, when you lose your job, anybody ever lost a job in here? Life screams, you don't have what it takes. You're a loser. You'll never make it. You see that? Those are those things that want to define you. And so you go to the next job and you, you don't have the confidence of the Lord because you're going, the enemy's going, you, you, you're, not, you're not anything. But how, what about this? This one's deep, okay? Broken relationship or relationships, okay? When that happens, guys, in life, it constantly, we hear the voice, what does it say? When we have one broken relationship after another, you hear that words, you just aren't lovable. You just are not, you're not lovable. Nobody's going to love you. And again, these are, these are what we tell ourselves. These, this is reality. Do you realize that unless Jesus heals that failure, that we're prone to sabotage our relationship? You go, why? Why? Because we're used to that identity of going, well, no, they're not going to love me. If they knew the real me, they wouldn't love me. The real you is the Lord in you. And it's progressive sanctification, so you're becoming more like Christ every day. But the world just keeps hitting you and hitting you. Well, you're unlovable. Oh, you're never going to make it. Oh, nobody's going to like you. Well, you're going to be lonely for the rest of your life, or you're going to be single for the... No, don't listen to that. Don't listen to that. What about when we make a bad choice? Anybody in here make a bad choice? I sure have. You know what the enemy comes in and says, you'll never get it right. You're, help me guys, you're always making, let's say it again, you're always making, doesn't he say that? Doesn't he say that? And you walk around, that's your identity. Who are you, Mr. Bad Choice? What do you do, make bad choices? And then you justify it because they say that's who you are. That's not who God says you are. That's not who God says you are. That's what the enemy says. You'll always be this way. No. No. What about, guys, now I know none of you have done this in here, but what about when we compromise our walk with God? Huh? You know what the enemy screams? You really are not a true Christian. You, you compromise down there? You're, you're not really saved. Because if you were really saved, you wouldn't have done that. Man, just me? Help me, church. Just me? Okay, okay. Because if, if, if that doesn't happen to you, you need to be up here preaching. Because it's just exactly, when you do something as, as compromising your walk with God, you make a little, cho- and he goes, you're not even saved, man. You know what I hear when, when I sin? How many of you hear this when you sin? Hey, God doesn't love you. Because God doesn't love you because you sin. And if you were really a good Christian, Robert, you wouldn't sin. Uh-huh. That's failures. That's what, that's what Satan does when he tempts us. Every, these are just real life scenarios, but that's what we hear. Guys, that's what we hear. 
when we see those failures through our own eyes and our own limited perspective, they hurt bad. But what does God say about that? What does God say about that? Because our failures want to identify us as, oh, I'm a loser. Oh, I can't do anything right. Oh, I'll never do this. I'll never do that. That's the world. That's the enemy. You know what God says? God says, I'm well pleased with you. Yeah, but I, I know. Because I sent my son, you're healed. Wow. How many of you have ever made a good choice? If you, you're like, no, 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 you've made a good choice. You don't hear the enemy coming in going, good job, you did a good choice. No, you don't, right? But you've made good choices too. You've made good choices. You, you know when you were tempted and you go, no, I'm not going to do that. I love Jesus. Your friends are like, hey, man, let's go out living the vida loca. And you're like, no, I love Jesus. I'm not, I want to do that right now. And you're like, man, I don't, where was, where did that come from? You make good choices too. God is well pleased with you. It's when you fail, the enemy comes in and wants to keep you down and keep you rolling and, and never stand up. Never stand up. You know who God chooses? Think about who he chooses. He chooses those that are not perfectly polished, does he? Man, if you look at his disciples, those are not the guys I would choose. But I love the fact that he looked and he goes, man, listen, here's who I'm choosing. I'm choosing, well, here's what the Word of God says. God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I wonder what my high school friends think when they see me on Facebook and I'm behind a pulpit. Not that dude. He's a pastor? No way, right? Isn't that? But it, but the, it stands to go, God's, it's God. It's God. It's the glory of God. Guys, it's the same for you. It's the same for you. Okay, so as we closed, as we closed, check it out. Listen, listen. Here's what you need to grasp. Number one, your past. Your past, the Lord Jesus is rewriting your story. He's changing it. He's changing it because of who you are in Christ. The mistakes that you've made, the failures that you made, those need to go bye-bye because he's healing that right now. That's not who identifies you. Your identification is in Jesus. If God the Father looks down and sees Jesus in you, that's who we should see in us. You go, but Ben, what if I make mistakes? Here's what you do. When you make a mistake, you confess it quickly. Oh, Lord Jesus, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. And get up and keep moving forward because you are in Christ. Don't let your past define you. That's not who you are anymore. My Jesus came to earth to set you free. And if you'll embrace that, if you'll embrace that, if you'll embrace that, you'll live victoriously. Well, Ben, if I embrace that, will I, will I still make a bet? Sometimes, because you're human. But I guarantee you, when you're praying and you're seeking God and, you're, and all of this stuff, man, you're going to make so many better choices because you realize who you are. Here's what the devil wants to do. You ready? You ready? The devil wants to keep you with no knowledge. He wants to say, I don't want you to know who you are in Christ. I don't want you to know your true identity because that's how you have victory. 
So if I can tell you every time you make a mistake, you're a loser. If I can tell you every time you do something wrong, you're never going to make it. If I can tell you you're not even Christian, and if I can tell you God doesn't love you, then you're going to be, I've got you. But then you have the word of God that says, no, my Jesus, I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. Is that a good amen? Amen. amen. And it only gets better, guys. Chapter 5. Let me give you a heads up. Chapter 5 is the, have you heard it? It's the Beatitudes. And he says, blessed. Everybody see chapter 5. The first word is blessed is he. Do you know what that word blessed means? It, it means happy, but if you dig a little bit deeper, it actually means approved. So God's going, he approves of you. Blessed, he approves of you. He loves you. Amen? Father, we thank you, God, for Matthew. We, we, we broke down the text, God. We looked at it. We exegeted it, God. And so now we just ask that you would apply those things in our heart. But I pray everyone here would leave, God, with a sense of knowing that their past, their failures, their mess-ups, God, are healed in you. And, Lord, that we would revel in who you are. And when we realize that in Christ, you're well pleased with us, God, Lord, that just makes me smile. And I thank you, Jesus, for the work that you're doing. I never want to leave, Lord, an opportunity for people to respond to you, to be invited into the family. And there's maybe some folks watching online. Maybe there's folks in the building. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never said, yes, I'm, I want Jesus in my life. Maybe you're sitting here and you're going, man, I've never heard the Bible explained like that. And God is knocking on your heart. Well, today he's calling you, and I just want to invite you into his family. Yeah, what does that mean? I'm asking you to get saved to open up your heart and invite him inside and, um, and, and, and to surrender your life to him. It will be the best decision you ever made. You go, well, how do I have to do that? Well, with every eye closed and every head bowed, all you have to do is lift up your hand and say, Pastor, will you pray for me? I want to give my life to Jesus. Several people did it last week. You might be online. You might be doing that. I can't see you. But here today, if God is speaking to your heart, then I would ask that you would surrender your life to Jesus. Well, what do I have to do? Am I have to join this church? No, we don't have membership here. We just want you to join the family of God. We want you to grow, and we want you to be a part of our family. But you have to come to Jesus first, because Jesus wants to do so much more in your life. But you got to let him. So I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. Those of you watching online, listening by podcast, and even now, if you're here today and God is speaking to your heart, and it's time for you to surrender 100% to him, you say, Pastor, that's me. Would you just lift up your hand right now? Nobody will see you. Every eye should be closed, every head bowed. Just go, Pastor, pray for me. I want God to come into me. I want my sins forgiven, and I want God to come into my heart. I want to serve him 100%. I'm just going to look real quick. Those of you watching online, if you raise your hand, you can pray a prayer or something like this. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I'm sorry. I believe in you. And I trust in you. Come into my heart and be my Lord, be my God, be my Savior, be my friend. I choose to follow you this day forever. I'm yours in Jesus' name.
Amen. If you prayed that prayer, man, I want to know about it. We got a Bible, a Bible study guide to give you, and uh, we're just so excited. Hey, we're going to do one worship song, guys. Um, please stick around. It looks like they're working out there. We have sandwiches, we have chips, we have all kinds of good stuff. Stick around, fellowship. I mean, hey, it doesn't get any better than this. You get good spiritual food. Can I get an amen? Now we got physical food, so that's first. We, we changed it, didn't we, Robert? We, we did spiritual first. Now we have physical food. May the Lord bless you and keep you. God bless you guys. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.